Tom and I had been asked if we would help launch a new church. So we did, and we were really glad to do it. It was just a really fun, exciting thing. And one Sunday, we decided we were going to take the Lord's Supper. And it was a real intimate setting. It was a small group of people. And when it was time to do that, we did it in a different sort of way. We went down to the front, and there was a couple that we knew there. And so we just migrated towards them. And we I, I was probably 45, and I had taken the Lord's Supper a number of times. And then when we got down there, he had a loaf of bread, the guy did. And I took a piece of bread, and I was about to dip it in the juice. And he said, Renthia, this is Jesus' body broken for you. And, and I said, what? And he said, this is Jesus' body broken for you. And then I dipped the bread in the juice, and he said, and this is Jesus' blood spilled out for you. And I sat there, and, and I began to cry. I was weeping because the grandness of the realization that Jesus would have done that for me. And it was this solitary moment when I grasped the idea that if I was the only one, the only one that had ever sinned, that Jesus loved me that much, that he mm. would have done that for me. Mm. It was a cool moment. How old are you? About 45. Wow. Welcome to The Testament, a podcast that spotlights the amazing real-life stories of everyday people who've been transformed by their surrender to Jesus Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of one of the many miraculous before and after accounts of lives forever changed by encountering the Savior. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2022. My name is Jess Kirchmeyer. Welcome to The Testament. And I'm Jeff Keck. Do you think 2022 is going to be better than 2021? I hope so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 2021 was bad. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah. It was, it was fine. Good. It was, it was a year. Um, so uh, we are here today with Renthea Clements. And uh, how are you? Great. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Great. I appreciate it. Tell it's us about yourself. Fun to be here. Uh, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I am a wife of 42 years. I'm a mom, uh, a mother-in-law. I'm a Grammy. I'm a business owner. I'm the director of Excel Learning. I am a sister, a daughter. I wear a lot of hats. So, yeah. yeah. So what is Excel Learning? Excel Learning is Arlington's newest and finest tutoring academy. We okay. tutor students from three years old all the way up to 100 years old because mm. that's the oldest person that we've ever had. Wow. That's cool. And we start with language development and we tutor every core subject, all foreign languages, um, American Sign Language, just anything that anybody wants to learn. We have a class on Microsoft Excel. We are beginning a parenting class, mm. um, class for job seekers, people who want to sharpen their resume and sharpen job skills, interview skills, that kind of thing. So it's it, it's great. It's Do you lifelong have a class learning. On podcasting. Well, we're going to start a class on podcasting, and guess who's going to teach it, Jeff? <laughs> Good job, Jess. You got a job. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Another one. 
Okay, Renthea, mm-hmm. well, this podcast is all about Jesus and what he's done mm-hmm. in our lives. Um, so share with us for a while or a few minutes um, how you came to know him. What was life like before you knew him? Um, how did he come into your heart and, and what has he done in your life since? I was six years old. Mm-hmm. And my family and I, my mom and dad, took my sister and me to church at Christmas and Easter. Well, we must have been on the roll of the church because the pastor called on my sixth birthday and said he was coming over to visit. So he came over that afternoon, and my mom was in a flurry. She dusted off all the Bibles and everything <laughs> and got dressed cute and welcomed the pastor into our house. And he said, I just want to talk to Renthea alone. So we sat down at the dining room table, and it was very short. And he said, you don't want to go to hell when you die, do you? And, you know, I thought that I was kind of living in hell. Um, My mom and dad were both alcoholics. Mm. Mom was uh, bipolar, had some real serious emotional issues. And I immediately said, I do not. I do not want to go to hell when I die. And he said, well, you need to repeat this prayer. And I did. And then he said, do you have any questions? And I said, yeah, there's a Bible verse that says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I said, why don't people want Jesus? And he said, it means you won't ever want anything again. Okay. And Mm. I said, okay. (laughs) And he told mom and dad, bring her to church on Sunday. We're going to do the baptism and then life's going to be good. So that's what we did. Um, I think probably at six, six years old, I believed everything I could possibly intake Mm -hmm. about Jesus. And then life didn't go any better, really, Mm -hmm. for me. But when I was 18, uh, my best friend died. She uh, had leukemia. And again, it was this realization that Jesus was God and that he loved me. And I knew where she was going because she was just a staunch, dedicated believer who who really influenced me. And I thought, you know what? I want to live more like she lived. And it was this rededication. And all throughout my life, I've had these moments of rededication, of learning more and more about who Jesus is, what he did who I am through him and what he wants me to do to, to, to live out him, to be more of him to the people that I come into contact right. with. So I want to go back to, you said 18 years old, mm. right? So between six and 18, well, like were you in public school or private school? I or? was in public school. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how, how was that time between six and 18, um, were you surrounded by any friends that were believers or were you just in public school and it's like, you know, we're. I was in public school, not surrounded by believers, um, but always had this incredible idea that God loved me and that he was insulating me from the chaos that was my home. My parents got divorced when I was 15, Mm. and it was just a very dramatic, terrible, awful time. I got involved in a relationship, actually with an older man, and I was left to my own doings. Mm. And my, my parents didn't really check on me. They were just glad that I was occupied in another area so that they could kind of air all of their dirty laundry in a very public way. Uh, My mom tried to commit suicide several times. 
home, is this home all is while difficult. you were at home? Yes. All, mm -hmm. Okay, well, so yeah. you're still young enough to be at home at this point. Yes, okay. yes. Home was a very difficult place to yeah. be. It wasn't um, a safe place. It wasn't a great place. It was a place that I constantly was trying to escape from, yet I knew that I needed to be home because I felt like I was the the referee between my mom and my dad and 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 also felt like if I left something terrible was going to happen mm -hmm. if I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So there was this great pull to to be away from home because it was just an awful place yet I always felt like I had to be there in order to keep some semblance of normalcy. And I, I think kids are like that. Yeah, you know, sure. they just think that it's all dependent upon them. But it, there was very little control that I had. So did you still have the opportunity to go to church in those years? When I was a teenager and I got my own car, yes, yeah. I started going to church. Mm -hmm. Okay. So prior to that, mm -hmm. before you got a car and you couldn't go to, I guess you couldn't go to church or whatever. Didn't. Um, mm -hmm. So, but were you able at all, did you have a Bible? Were you able to actually dig into scripture at all, or maybe maybe grow and learn a little bit during that period of time? There wasn't a lot of learning going on. Yeah. Like I said, we went to church at Christmas and at Easter, um, and it was pro I was probably 17, maybe 18, before I really came to terms with of, of, of the God of the Bible mm -hmm. and of Jesus as Savior. But once I began to realize that, um, got out of that relationship, and then I graduated from high school and went to college, and then Tom and I married, and it was, it, I was probably nine, 18, 19 years old before I really started growing yeah. and coming to understand who Jesus wanted me to be and how he had equipped me and the gifts and talents and abilities he had given me and knew that he wanted me to use them for him, not just for me, but he really wanted me to use them to impact other people. Yeah. So you went, graduated high school, went to college. Mm -hmm. Where'd you go? Oklahoma State University. Go Pokes. <laughs> I can't think of too many reasons to go to Oklahoma. <laughs> I've got family in Oklahoma. That's one reason to go to Oklahoma. <clears throat> Um, okay, so moving up into Oklahoma, did mm -hmm. you find a church home there? Is that where you met your husband? Actually, we met, yes, yes, it was. We were at a dance, and <laughs> I had broken my leg. Oh. I had broken my leg snow skiing, so my boyfriend and I went to this dance, and then he took a girl to the dance. Well, his girlfriend danced with my boyfriend. And so Tom was very compassionate towards me. He sat on the couch and he talked to me because I couldn't dance. Aww. And we just kind of started this relationship right there. So. <laughs> wow. And, and what year was that? It was 1979. <laughs> she had to think about that. <laughs> so how long did you date before you got married? Three months. Whoa. I know everybody's mouth is hanging open. Yes, it is. Three yeah, months. I'm a podcast. We can't <laughs> see that. Three months. I know. Crazy, huh? So what year of you college know, were you, know. you in? Um, I was in my sophomore year of college. Oh, wow. So you were like 20? Yeah. Yeah. 19, actually. 19. 19. Did everyone like think you were crazy? Yes, they yeah. did. <laughs> they did. I kind of thought it was a little crazy, too. <laughs> but, you know, when, when you I, – I felt like I knew. Yeah. And I felt like – that was just, it, there was peace in that relationship. He loved me. 
um, it was just the best feeling. And it was a feeling that I hadn't had in a very, very, very long time. There was security there. And I, I knew that that's how I wanted to spend the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So you guys went to church, I guess, at that point in time. We did. Shortly after we married, we started going to church together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 18 is when you started turning around getting a little closer to the Lord, right? Yes. Um, at some, at some point, and, and when I, when we talk to people who became Christians at a very young age, five, six, seven, you know, whatever, most of the time they don't quite completely understand. Uh, they know Jesus lives in their heart. Mm-hmm. My son is seven when, uh, you know, he became a Christian. He knows Jesus lives in his heart, but he really doesn't know what all that means. Like, mm-hmm. like as far as the way that we live and how we should live and all this other stuff and, and what, what God has really done for you. So is 18 when that started happening for you, you started really kind of putting those puzzle pieces together and understanding, or, or at least connecting the things in your mm-hmm. heart that you knew to the things in the world that were around you? Yeah, that's a great question. It was such a progressive thing. For me, it was like growing and it was almost like Every year and every few months, and and I don't like the word season. I think that's so overused. Yeah. But but every part of life, when when we got pregnant with our first child, it was like this miraculous, incredible event. And then when he was born, oh my goodness, you come to understand God's love for you through your love mm-hmm. of that child you've had. All these different events in my life really helped me understand who God is and that overwhelming, all-encompassing love that he has. Probably one of the greatest experiences um, where I got to see him really work was when I invited him into my work as a teacher. And I remember saying, God, if you will allow me to be a teacher, and if you will allow me to go back to school, because I was out of school for about five years, and then I went back and completed my degree. I said, if you will allow me to do this, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do whatever I can for you. It, and I adopted that. I, I went to Ogles, okay? I'd had a really rough day, and I went to Ogles, and I splurged and paid $17 for this facial. <laughs> and this lady was in there, and she was doing all of this and rubbing your face with warm lotion and then, you know, cleansing it and doing it again and everything. While I was lying there, I felt this feeling of her praying for me. Mm. And I've never felt like someone was praying for me. I... I it, it was tangible. Hmm. And so that was a, an entire hour. And when we got finished with that, you know, I had to give her a grade and she said, go ahead and um, get up and come out here and meet my teacher and give me a grade. And the whole time I thought, how am I supposed to tell her that I knew she was praying for me? And so I got out there and I said, so where do you go to church? And she looked at me and she goes, how do you know I go to church? And I thought, oh, my gosh, I, I didn't <laughs> want her thinking, what a freak, you know? Yeah. And so I, I'm. Stalker. Yes. And so I said, oh, OK, you know, and I'm thinking, all right, I got to get out of here. And it's like God said, girl, you better tell her you knew she was praying for you. And so I said, look, I felt like you were praying for me. Actually, I knew you were praying for me while you were giving me that facial that entire time. I said, 
I've never felt a feeling like that before. And I knew. And she's crying, okay? And I look, and I'd only left her a $5 tip. So I put a one in front of the five, and I'm thinking, that's why she's crying. And I gave it back to her, and she said, it's not the tip. And I said, well, what? And she said, I was praying for you. Mm. She said, you're the very first person that I've ever done a facial on by myself. Mm. And she said, and I told God if he would help me do all of this and get finished with school, I would dedicate my career to him. And I walked out of there thinking, knowing that he was talking to me, because I saw 90 kids every two days in my classes, well, 180 kids, because I had 30 kids per class, 180 kids in two days. And it's like God said to me, girl, this is the business you're supposed to be about. And so I went back to school the next day, and that's what I said. God, let them see you in me. And would you please be with me? Go before me and stand beside me every single day that I'm here. And he did. That was your mission field. It was. Hmm. It was. How long were you doing that? Twenty-eight years. Wow. And it was. It was. It was. It was a ride. It was amazing. And I'm sure things cool. from your childhood helped spur you on to have compassion for those kids and help. Right. It really did, Jess. I, I never wanted to teach AP kids, mm-hmm. um, first of all, because I thought they were a little smarter than me. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I always had a heart for the kids whose parents didn't push them to be AP, mm-hmm. the kids maybe who struggled a little bit. And I wanted to be that teacher who just said, yes, you can. Yes, yeah. you can. And this is how you do it. And this is how we're going to get there. And I'm going to go with you. Was there anyone like that in your, like, was there anyone consistent in your, between six and 18 or growing up in your life that was like a consistent light or encouragement to you? There there were people along the way. Yeah. There wasn't one person mm-hmm. that was there, but it's almost like when I left one person's sphere of influence, another one would pop up. Yeah. And another one would pop up. I can't look back and say there was this one person, but you know what? There was that one person, right. and that one, that one person was Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he allowed me to see him through the humanity of a lot of different people along the way. Yeah, and, and I think that through that, he wanted me to depend on him, not depend mm-hmm. on this guy or this woman or this teacher, but really to depend on him. Yeah. So the, did your childhood make raising kids easier for you mm. or it did harder or No, it absolutely did. When Tom and I got married, um he had come from kind of a dysfunctional home too. His dad was killed when he was 3 years old and his his mom um just he would have liked to have had a stronger role model, yeah. okay? And so I remember right before we got married, I said, listen, I'm, I'm in this for life. I, I mean, I'm really in this for life, no matter what. Like when we say I do and we've done, this is going to be a forever thing. I said, is, is, are you cool with that? Can, can we do that? <laughs> are you cool with that? <laughs> Let's go get some ice cream. <laughs> and, and he said, yeah. Yeah, because that's the way I want it to be. And I remember saying, we don't have to live in the same house the whole time, yeah. not even in the same city the whole time, mm-hmm. but I want to be with you the whole time. Mm-hmm. 
And he said, yeah. And I think that because of the level of commitment that we've had for 42 years, there was a lot of times, there have been a lot of times when we both would have preferred, you take the white sheets, I'm going to take the red ones, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was that level of commitment and just the reminder of what we said and what we promised. And then we took divorce off the table. And when we took divorce off the table, it was like, well, dang, <laughs> what other option do you have? Yeah. You know, you, you work it out with this person yeah. Yeah. and you go on, you yeah. go on. So I, I would think that, you know, kids who struggle growing up mm. uh, tend, tend to turn into parents who have a hard time raising kids, you know, in difficult situations and stuff. So that's good. You know, you said it made it a little bit easier. Um, I know I am just probably the same and, and you were probably the same also, but when you start having kids and start raising kids, you're like, I'm doing this different, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. but, um, and, and I didn't have a, a rough childhood growing up or anything, but at the same time, I'm like, I want, I want them to have what I couldn't have, yes. and, you know? So we work toward that also. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and, and I'm fortunate that my husband is probably the most generous person I know. Mm-hmm. He is just an incredibly generous man. He's the best dad. The, the best dad that I've ever come across. He, his kids, our son and our daughter, know that if they needed anything, they could call dad and he's going to be there. And, and I know that too. So. So getting near the end of your 28 years mm-hmm. in education mm-hmm. there, what did you do when you, when you left that? When I left that, I, I knew I was finished. I just knew I was finished. God had revealed himself in some incredible ways through my teaching career. And it was kind of like, okay, when my interest was beginning, I was beginning to say, God, I'm ready when you're ready to release me. I'm ready. I'm ready to go do something else. And then some incredible, amazing thing he would allow happen. Um, Can I tell you about this one thing? Sure. Okay. 23 years ago now, I was trying to get on I-20, and there was these helicopters that were flying around in the air, and I looked, and there was this horrible car accident, and there were ambulances and police cars and fire trucks, and I-20 was completely shut down, couldn't even get on there. And later on, we found out the news story. A woman had delivered twins over at MCA Hospital. Her husband had taken their five-year-old son and his mother, who was there, up to meet their new twin, grandson and little and um, younger brothers. The dad on the way home had this seizure, mm. and he crossed the lanes of traffic. And back then, it was before those highway, yeah. the pillars yeah. were there, and he went into the other lanes. He was killed. The dad was killed. Mm. Less than 24 hours old, this new dad was killed. The five-year-old brother and the grandmother. When I found out that she had just delivered twins, twin boys, I began to pray for her, tried to find out who she was. No way you could find out who she was. And I remember getting on I-20 and thinking, God, I just ask that you would be with that woman and that you would raise those boys in a home where they feel secure and where they feel safe and that you would give them a strong role model and just pray different prayers for them. And it got to where I would pray for them like once every couple of weeks and once a month, but it was just this consistent prayer. 
Well, a number of years rolled by. I'm in my classroom at school, first day of school. I always start off with this thing called There's a Story Here, and I have the kids write their story. So everybody writes for an hour and a half. I gather up the papers. My conference period, I'm reading one of the papers, and it says, I was born into a family where the mother and father loved each other very much, and I had a five-year-old big brother that was not the family I grew up in. And I started reading that paper, and he was one of those twin boys that had been birthed Mm. when his dad, his brother, and his grandmother were killed that day. And I looked up his schedule, and he was upstairs in an algebra class. And I went up there, and I knocked on the door, and I said, Is Bradley McDaniel Mogazel here? And the teacher said, Renthea, I have no idea. It's the first day of school. (laughs) And he raises his hand, and he said, Am I in trouble? And I said, Come out here. So he came out to the hallway, and he didn't say anything about his grandmother. And I said, I had the paper, and I said, was your grandmother in the car that day? And he said, yes, ma'am. He goes, did you know her? And I said, I didn't know her, but I feel like I've known you for 18 years. And he is weeping, and I am weeping. And he said, can I hug you? And I said, buddy, I'm hugging you first. (laughs) (laughs) And it was such a cool moment to know that those long-term prayers – Those prayers that you and I pray for other people for long, long periods of time, they get answered. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea, no idea what that was going to look like and if that had had reached God to reach them. But it was one of the most exciting days that I've had in a very long time. And I told him, I said, listen, buddy. I can't hug you every day. And when you come back into my class on Wednesday, and he goes, that's okay. He goes, I'm just going to be hugging you. He goes, you're going to be my favorite teacher for life. And I said, well, you're going to be my favorite kid for life. But God did things like that all through my teaching career. And it, it, it was just so cool. It was so cool to know that he was there and he was listening and he wanted to interact and to let me know that 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 he cared and that he was there and that, and that I could depend on him. So, were you able to meet his his uh, family after that? His uh, whoever had been raising him since I corresponded with his mom. Yeah. she was a flight attendant, and so we, I wanted so badly to meet her, but we never were able to meet. But I did meet the other twin brother. Yeah. And he and I visited, you know, fairly frequently. So, and, and we still talk. We still talk. Actually, we were at Grounds and Gold a few weeks ago. And so when he comes <laughs> yeah. into town, he'll call and, and we'll get to have lunch or dinner together. So yeah. that's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I bet you have a ton of stories like that. Yeah. I, I have a lot of stories. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, so you just recently published a book, mm-hmm. which I bought. I'm excited to read <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Have you bought one? Uh, <laughs> Put them on the spot on the air. Back to you, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, um, tell our listeners more about what that's about, what it's called, how they can find it, how, yeah, it how you a, decided to write that. Oh, it's, it has a really long title. It's called Someone I Love Very Much is in Heaven. And I know that all titles should have three or four words, but it just couldn't be helped. 
um, my son-in-law, who is a wonderful man, um, he married our daughter and they have three children. Well, his brother was an artist and he came to visit them and he was a very conflicted person. He, um, he just really was struggle, struggling with some emotional problems. He committed suicide shortly after visiting with them for about three days. The children loved him because he drew with them. He painted with them. He sat and listened and talked to them. They really struggled with his death. And my son-in-law and daughter, you know, having someone commit suicide, I, I think that your heart and your mind wrestle with one another and the feelings are so conflicting, you know, the anger, the sadness, uh, just so many emotions. It was difficult for them to minister, if you will, to the kids through their grief and everything they were going through. And, and the kids struggled. And so I thought if I could talk to each one of those kids, and they were four, five, and seven at mm -hmm. the time, this is what I would say. And this is what I think would be healing for them to be able to walk through this process. And so I just began to sit down and write. And a very good friend, Pat Dowdy, she's an amazing graphic designer and artist. And I put all of this down and said, Pat, this is kind of what I'd like the pictures to be. And you decide what some of them will be. And um, she helped me put together this book. And then I showed it to my husband. And he said, let's make some copies of that. And then we've had people who have gone through similar circumstances or, or a grandparent that passed away. And they, you know, this remaining spouse said, I would like to have a copy of that to help my kids. And it's kind of grown and grown and grown. And I think I've sold maybe 90 copies so far. So it's not on the bestseller list yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I believe it's ministering to some people and helping some kids navigate navigate their way through the grief process yeah and i didn't realize that it was a like until i received it that it was a like write in it and almost like a workbook more than just like here let me tell you the story yeah. that's just encouraging but yeah it really mm -hmm. appears to be something that like you actually work through what's going on in your mind mm -hmm. um, more mm -hmm. than just read and be encouraged so that's cool too yeah just helping the kids understand um there is an eternal home mm -hmm. and this is how we prepare for our eternal home. This is what our eternal home will look like. And this is who created and designed it. And really, it's meant to point kids towards an eternity with Jesus. Yeah. That's my hope. That's my prayer. And I pray over those. Every time somebody wants one, I, yeah. I just ask God to be very, very real to them through yeah. the reading and working through of it. Yeah. Mm. Okay, did so you, how Did you bring yours? I almost did, but I did not. She could have signed it. Oh, man. <laughs> not now. I'll probably see her again. <laughs> you will. You will. Um, how can people find it? What's the – we'll put the website link or something, but – Okay, it? terrific. It is perhaps today.online. Okay, cool. Um, another question, and mm -hmm. I was excited to ask you this question. Because you've been married for over 40 years um, – I don't know. I'm sure there's been a ton of highs and lows throughout yeah. your marriage. That's that long. There's bound to be. Um, and in today's culture, it's it becomes more rare when you tell people in culture that you've been married for that long. They say, wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Whereas a long time ago, that would have been like, OK, 
Right. That is what it is. Yeah. Um, so in that light and perspective, do you have any advice? I mean, obviously keep Christ in the center. Let's, you know, he's the main thing or, but is there anything else that you've seen or any advice you would give to mm-hmm. like me? I've been married almost nine years. Jeff's, how long have I been married? 24. It'd be 24 this month. 24. Yeah. So is yeah, the any... 25th is the roughest one. I'm just going to tell oh. you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> yeah. So how do, how do you, what's your advice for couples to not mm. just survive marriage and make it that long, but to mm. enjoy it? Mm. Um, I think one of the main reasons that marriages fail is selfishness. Hmm. I mean, that is the bottom line. And and I looked back and think back over the conflicts that we've had and the really serious arguments we've had, and it's due to selfishness. Hmm. So when you get to a point where you want to marry somebody, my advice is always, are you ready to put what that person needs and what that person wants above what you need and what you want. And so when when Tom and I still have conflicts, I go back to, am I being selfish? And is this something that he really needs? Is this something that he really wants? And we, we, we talk about that. Um, you know, my greatest advice is always be linked together in ministry. And don't just go to the same church, but do something together. Do some kind of ministry together. Um, and we do. We, we pray about, you know, we pray for each other. We pray about our conflicts. Um, we pray together. We just, we've, we've just come to the point where we did. We took divorce off the table and we realized, okay, we can live together miserably, which we have. Mm-hmm. We have lived together miserably for a period of time. And then we've come back to, wait a minute. this is this is the the one thing that god gives us marriage is to be a representation of who jesus is to the church and then we've talked about is this what we're portraying to the world when they look at our marriage are they seeing jesus's relationship to the church the joy or are they seeing two people who are together, living together miserably. And I don't ever want to be guilty of portraying to the world a miserable existence that is reflected in who God is and who Jesus is. So there's this this huge responsibility, if you will, when you're married to someone because I, I want to see Jesus working in your marriage, Jess, and I want to see Jesus working with you, Jeff. And I want to see that that your relationship with your wife, you protect her and you love her and, and you relate to her just like Jesus does to the church, because that is our responsibility as Christians, especially when we're linked to somebody in marriage. Yeah. I like how you said that, though. Doesn't the book of James outline that? It does. The reason we have fights and quarrels is what? Because we want and we don't have, so right. we're being selfish. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. great. And when you model that, I know when when Tom says, hey, honey, the day is yours. What would you like to do? It's almost like the next day I get up and I want to say, I want to tell him, Tom, the day is mm-hmm. yours. You know. And sometimes we have to model that before the other person gets it. Mm-hmm. 
And I know I he, he's had to model some things for me, and I've had to model some things for him. I heard somebody say one time, marriage is 50-50, and it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's 100, and it's 100. Mm-hmm. And you better be able to give your 100%, even though that person may not be giving their 100%. Yeah. And I hope that he's ready to give his when when I'm not giving mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, switch gears a little bit. Let's have a little fun. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Do you like to have fun, Renthea? <laughs> I love to have fun. Wait, okay. Before we move on, fun. what's your most, what's like, if you could have a super fun day, what's the thing you're going to do? Mm, well, ride my bike. Oh, ride my you bike. You went road bikes with Angie one time. I did. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So now you have to clarify bicycle okay. or bicycle, motorcycle? Bicycle. <laughs> I love going out to Airfield Falls. You know, the only waterfall in Fort Worth? No. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay, we've got to go. Okay, So you park at Airfield (laughs) Falls, and then you ride your bike over the waterfall, and it is beautiful. And the best time to go is about five to ten hours after a great rain. And you're going to see this incredible waterfall, and it's just beautiful, and it's serene, and it's quiet. And there aren't a whole lot of people there. And then you take your bike and you ride the trails up to 7th Street mm. and go in and have lunch and hop back on and come back to the waterfall. I accept. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great day. All right. So we have a special segment we do to kind of get to know everybody a little bit better as we as we close out the episode. So this one is called This or That. All right. Okay. So I'll give you a series of words. Okay. And Jess will probably play along as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So basically, to get to know you better, we want to know what do you prefer? Like, for example, do you prefer a vacation or a staycation? Vacation. Where? Mm, I love the national parks. I love the national parks. Yellowstone is my favorite. Mm. Um, That's hard. I really love to travel, but we go and do so much that mm. i love the days the weekends when we have absolutely nothing and we like sit around the house all morning and then suddenly it's three in the afternoon mm. i love those weekends it's nice. so i think staycation probably at this moment okay all right um road trip or plane trip plane trip road <laughs> Planes terrify me. I like them. I like the airport and all of that, but I don't want to be on the plane. You know, I had that when my children were little like yours Mm -hmm. because I thought nobody can mommy as well as me. (laughs) And I was so afraid. I'm not kidding. I would even need to meet the pilot. It was awful. It was bad. But I'm over it. Now you're good. I'm good. I want a road trip. Windows down. Bare feet, mm-hmm. snacks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Renthia, you work in the um, reclaimed coffee shop here at I the church. Do. At Lake I Church do. Lake Church, And um, so, hot coffee or iced coffee? Hot. Yeah, absolutely. Hot coffee. Okay. You can't say that. Why? Because yours has to be room temperature. Well, okay. Blech. Yeah. But I don't want it iced because then it gets all watered down. But you like chocolate. No, in it. no, no. You mm. said that earlier and I said, no, <laughs> that's the only flavor. I'll go to like a coffee shop and say, make me whatever you want. Just no chocolate. I like the white chocolate. Is she a woman? <laughs> <laughs> I love chocolate, but not in my coffee. Mm. All right. Wait. Okay. So coffee or tea? Uh, tea. Okay. Tea. Mm. Like iced tea or hot tea? Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Sweet tea or unsweet? <laughs> so many questions. Sorry, <laughs> taking over. Me, I was good. just at the ophthalmologist the other day. This one or this one? This one or this one? <laughs> you didn't answer any of those. Uh, iced tea. I think iced tea. Iced tea in the summertime. Hot tea in the winter. All right. Okay. Is your iced tea sweet or unsweet? Always. Sweet. This is Texas, baby. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> sweet. <laughs> But if you want to cut down on your sugar, it doesn't matter. Just you can skip other things. Mm-hmm. All right, eggs or pancakes? Eggs. No. We'll do pancakes. Pancakes with chocolate chips in them. Mm. How old are you? Twenty nine. I'm right, going to be thirty next year. When you get to be my age, thirty five, then thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Married for over forty years at age thirty five. It was an arranged it's a marriage. <laughs> it was arranged. <laughs> You will prefer something that is not so calorie laden, probably. Mm. I don't know. At your <laughs> size, you can probably eat pancakes until you're Jeff's age. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Um, I'm 44 and I'm, I'm, I gotta have eggs and pancakes. Oh, well. So I gotta, I gotta have, I mean, like, I can have pancakes and I can just have eggs, but it's so much better when there's eggs. And pancakes. pancakes. And then you throw bananas and strawberries and powdered sugar and everything else on the pancakes. Mm. I wouldn't mind strawberries on top of the chocolate chip pancakes. That would be yummy. Yeah. But pancakes are pancakes without chocolate chips. What's that? What time's breakfast? Well, it's at IHOP anytime you want. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So um, let's see. One more. Ketchup or ranch dressing? Oh, ketchup. Yeah, ketchup. I don't know. Probably ranch. Does it depend? Can we say mustard? No. Okay, ketchup. Uh, you can. Ketchup. You can, use, but you'd be use wrong. Use mustard with the french okay. fries? Excuse me. No, 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 no. Ketchup for sure. You're right. Yes. Let's I know people that. who dip their french fries in ranch dressing. I yeah. say that's fabulous, but. Yes. Ranch is good. Mm. Ranch could be good with anything, I think, is the difference. Ketchup, you can't. Okay. The ultimate question. Go. When we do this or that, everyone gets it. Everyone gets the question. Toilet paper, over or under? Over. Thank you. Good job. Your face. Over. I wish I got a picture of that face right there. (laughs) (laughs) Who does it under? I've thought a lot about this. If it's under, okay, it can capture the dust and everything that's there. It's got to be over. Okay, so. It's a little more pure. I've always been over, right? Dust can catch on top of it, too. So so I've always been on, on the over side because when you buy the toilet paper that has designs on it, mm-hmm. they're made for you to see them when it's installed in the over position, mm-hmm. right? So if mm-hmm. it has words or pictures or whatever, mm-hmm. if you install it in the over, you see them correctly. Mm-hmm. If you install it under, they're upside down. So obviously the toilet paper companies intend for it to be over. Mm-hmm. But we had one guest who brought up a good point. Okay. He apparently had a cat who would just unravel those things. Mm-hmm. So when he installed it in under, they can do this all day long. They could just you know, spin it all day and it won't undo, it won't unravel. That's hmm. probably the only, only good excuse I've ever heard for an under installation. Okay. I'm going to tuck that away and remember that. <laughs> if you have a cat that does that. I don't. <laughs> so, so over it is. Outstanding. All right. That's great. Okay. So we always finish up with asking our guests what their favorite scriptures are. And it's very hard, I know, to nail down a single verse. Hmm. Um, in people's lives, the way that God touches our lives with scripture. So whether it be a verse or a, a chapter or a book or even a whole storyline or something, what is what is part of scripture that God continuously touches your heart with? Mm. 
I think it'd have to be Third John. You know, there's First, Second, Third mm-hmm. John, Third John, four, and it says, "I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth." Mm-hmm. And I remember when our kids were growing up, it was so cool because you know they can be really toots, real yeah. toots at home. <laughs> you don't but say. when someone says your son or your daughter, oh my goodness, I watched them do this and I heard them say this. And when they were at our house, they said, yes, ma'am and no, ma'am. And they always said, thank you. And it was like, oh, yes. And I used that verse for them. But then I began to think, hold on a minute. God's my dad. He's my dad. And if I can, if I attribute that to my children, how much greater is his joy when he sees that I'm walking in the truth. Mm. So I really thought that was just for me to give to my kids, but it's not. It's not. It's to remind me every day that I bring God joy when I walk in the truth, do what I'm supposed to do, say what I'm supposed to say, and just continually to live for him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So you have a podcast as I well. I do, but I don't have this fancy equipment. Well, this isn't really fancy. That's pretty fancy to me. <laughs> so what's the name of your podcast and where can our listeners find your it, podcast? It's called Let Him In. Okay. And it's on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you like to get your podcasts. What's it about? It is about people who use their work as their ministry. Mm. And uh, Really, it's about people who kind of go to work disguised as a teacher or as you fill in the blank, but really they're there to minister and to be Jesus to the people they work with and the people they work for. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Renthea Clements, thanks for coming. Thank you guys very much. I've loved it. This has been fun. If you want to know more about who Jesus is, you can go to shockwaveministries.com and click on the gospel message. There you will find scripture references about who Jesus is and the plan of salvation, as well as different resources and references provided by our guests to help you through your walk with Christ. You can also click on the Testament tab where you will find a link to all of our podcasts and see our most recent podcast episodes that have been launched. Also on the Testament tab, you can drop us a line. Let us know what you think, if you have any comments or ideas for us, or point us to someone you think would make a great guest on our show. Be sure to like and share our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Testament podcast. We'll make sure you know when each of our episodes launch and even give you a heads up on what episode is coming up with our Feature Friday posts. And if you see myself or Jess out and about, ask us for a business card. That's right. So we printed business cards with a QR code on them that leads your smartphone to our show. So you can hand them to a friend or family member, leave one on a table along with your tip for the waiter, Or pin one up on one of those cork boards that you see in a restaurant or a store where they allow the public to advertise their businesses. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Um, We are here today. Nope. (laughs) See, now this is what we're going to do again. This is why. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's weird having the new stuff. Normally just rattle it off. Okay. So. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought. You didn't say anything. I did not say anything. (laughs) Now I lost my train of thought. I'll write that down so I don't forget. Thank you. I recorded it. Oh, yeah, I guess there's that. (laughs) Okay, whatever. You good? Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) That was great. I'm good.